Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Great American Senior Show. And today we are looking into consulting and finances and all things financial that not only our seniors, but those who are in the business community need to know. And our special guest today, Stephen Goodman. Uh, now, you're the president and CEO of SHG Planning, estate planning, business success specialist. You have a great impressive list of backgrounds of uh, MP Morgan Chase, KPMPG Pete Marwick, uh, Fordham M- uh, University, uh, MBA. Uh, it's impressive. So when do you have the time to take time off and chat with me? <laughs> That's well, well, look, you know, especially in the COVID world, uh, you know, I decided that podcasting was a, a way to help educate people and have people learn a little bit about me and and hopefully be another way to market to attract the proper clients. Tell me about yourself. Well, uh, you hit upon a few things. I I graduated a long time ago with an undergraduate degree in accounting. I went to work for one of the big accounting firms, KPMG Pete Marwick. Um, Then I went over to Chemical Bank as a VP in their private bank. And about 30-ish years ago, started my consulting firm, SHG Planning. Um, and as you mentioned, I, I do work with high net worth, ultra high net worth individuals in estate planning, business continuity planning, deal with a lot of family businesses in the succession from one generation to the next. Also encompasses charitable planning, retirement planning, um, various aspects of risk management planning, life insurance, long-term care, disability, et cetera. But your experience is, is very, very broad. How does that experience play in with what you're looking for in a client and the type of recommendations that you give to your clients? Well, look, you know, everybody likes to be challenged and be interested in what they do every day. So the more challenging the fact pattern, the more interesting it is to me. So, you know, I I love complex matters. You know, it could be family business, kids in their business, kids not in the business. Sometimes it could be a second marriage where there could be kids from both families or maybe even three families. You know, the husband had family, wife had a family and together they have a family and the husband or the wife or whoever has the business has to decide, you know, who's going to ultimately inherit the business. Is it the spouse? Is it the kids in the business? Is it all the kids? Um, It gets very complex, both from a tax standpoint, as well as an emotional standpoint. So, Well, we're approaching end of year, so I'll come back to taxes in in just a moment. But as you're saying the planning is important, when do you start planning? Is it ever too early or never too late to begin the planning process? Well, it clearly could be too late because you can either get sick or die and not have the time to do the planning. I mean, it's never too early, but planning, you know, if you if you do it early on in your career, you you know you need to do it multiple times. I mean, it's something where you sit there and it's stagnant. I mean, like even myself, I, you know, I I'm pretty organized when it comes to this type of stuff. And I pulled out some things I had put together a couple of years ago. And it's amazing, like when you look through how many things have changed and how you would modify things. So it's not stagnant. It, it, it requires doing it all the time. I will say to you that a much, 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 much higher percentage of people are guilty of not planning than planning too early. COVID, from 
your perspective has that impacted a lot of businesses as to how they think about wealth management, planning, succession, the whole nine yards? I think I think you end up finding people that fit into two categories with COVID. Most people are procrastinators. You know, it's so easy to not deal with it and push it off. And like I said, I think human nature is to procrastinate anyway. So I think for a lot of people, COVID was the best procrastinating excuse somebody can give because it's like, oh, I don't want to deal with planning. I can't think about planning. I'm trying to have my business survive. You know, I have family members who aren't doing well, you know, whether it's financially or health wise. So you have an element with COVID that was like the procrastinator's dream. You know, it gave them that carte blanche to have the perfect excuse as to why they're not going to do anything. And it's hard to argue with somebody. You know, if you speak to someone, they say, look, having difficulty in my business, I have to focus all my energy on surviving. You know, what are you going to say to someone? No, you shouldn't do that and do planning. So that, so that's one side. The other side of the equation, which I think is much less than 50%, but you do have people, they were like, oh my God, like, I know people who died from this, like, this is serious. Like, I got to get my act together. Like, I got to look at my wills. I got to look at my insurance. I got to look at my planning. I got to really think this thing through because I haven't addressed this. And like now, especially if you're 60 years old, 70 years old, 80 years old, where, you know, the risk if you get sick is much greater. Um, So you do have certain percentage of people that this was a stimulant to get them to, to not procrastinate and to take care of things that they generally would have pushed off. So I think, I think you kind of saw it on both ends of the spectrum. With that latter group that you were talking about, though, life insurance. How important is life insurance? And I, and I say that because we're just exiting out of uh, National Life Insurance Month. But is life insurance something that everyone should stop and give thought and planning to that you can help with? Well, look, I, I, it's 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 a case by case basis. I don't think you can give a, a general comment. I, mean, I would say to you that and this isn't me saying this, this is based on statistics. The country at large is severely underinsured for life insurance. Um, and and I know if that's said by somebody who could potentially sell the product, then it could be looked like it's self-serving to say it. But but. And there's a reason for it. It goes back to some of the stuff I'd said previously. Who wants to spend money on life insurance? Like nobody wants to spend money on life insurance. You know, unlike auto insurance and homeowners insurance and business insurance, like, you know, you can't drive a car without insurance. You know, you can't get a mortgage without insurance. You can't operate a business without insurance. So you have no choice. I mean, you have to buy it. Now, you could buy it at different levels and you could decide who you're going to buy it from. But you you buy those insurance products. You, you don't have to be sold those insurance products. You buy it because you have to have it. Things like life insurance are not bought. They're sold. Okay, and that's part of why the industry has a bad reputation, because it's viewed like, you know, there's pushy people getting people to buy. Now, I'm not going to say that there aren't pushy people and I'm not going to say there aren't people that sell things that the consumer shouldn't be buying. But it's a product that needs to be sold to people. Now, yeah, maybe when you first get married and you have a child, like maybe you'll like say, oh, I need to get some insurance. But I, I can't tell you how many times I run into young people. If something happens to you, like, how's your family surviving? You know, it's like, but again, it costs money. It takes time. It 
It makes you make decisions, you know, who's the beneficiary? Is it in trust? Is it not? You know, just stuff nobody wants to deal with. So again, it's so easy to just like, oh, I'm 35. How many 35-year-olds do you think actually think they're going to die? You know, like, what do I have to worry about it now? I'm not going to die. I'm young. I'm 35. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it when I'm 36. I'll do it when I'm 37. I'll do it when I'm 42. I'll do it when I'm 45. Then all of a sudden, son, they go to the doctor and the doctor tells them they have diabetes or all of a sudden something comes up and they're like, oh, wow, I really should get insurance. <laughs> now it's like, maybe you can't get insurance. Maybe it's going to cost you a lot more money to get it. So again, it's, I'm not even getting into the, all the different kinds of products. There's a million products and different products are right for different people, but more generically, that would be my comments about life insurance. What's your advice on getting a proper wealth management plan in place? Well, I, I think that um, probably the single most important thing is to save money. You know, so I'm talking, especially if we're dealing with some, I know this is the great American senior show, but, you know, starting out, um, the more money you spend, the less money you save and the more money you need, because people generally, you know, again, seniors being in your audience, you know, if somebody spends $250,000 a year on their lifestyle, you know, up until they retire, it's not that easy to all of a sudden say, well, I'm not going to spend 250,000 anymore in my life. So I'm only going to spend 150 on my lifestyle, you know, because now they have more free time. They have more traveling they want to do. They may have more health issues as they get older that could cost them money. Um, so it's, it's, that's the most important thing. So, you know, because if you don't adequately save, you're not going to build up a portfolio. Um, you know, the second thing that's, that's important is to work with a financial advisor that you could trust. You get those people, you know, either you get them through your accountants or your lawyers or through friends or family. Um, but and certainly you want to interview more than one and choose somebody that you could trust that you feel isn't just trying to sell you something. That's, I think a big issue is most people don't really know what their risk tolerance is. Now, Unfortunately, and fortunately, in February and March of last year, because of COVID, the stock market got hammered, you know, went down, you know, 35-ish, 40%, you know, certain things more, um, gave people an opportunity to see, like, can I deal with that? They call these things the black swans, you know, the things that are like supposed to be once in a lifetime things. Well, it was nine, you know, you had you had 9-11, so 2001, you had, that could be a once in a lifetime thing. Then you had 2008, you had the financial crisis. Then like 2011, you had like the whole thing with the government, like what it's going through now, you know, didn't want to raise the debt ceiling. And then you had like the European debt crisis before they came in and said, we're going to back all these bonds. And then you had COVID. So like in a 20 year period of time, you had like, you know, four pretty significant events that took place. And every one of those events had a, a big negative impact on the market. So, you know, you have to be realistic that probably once every five years, something's going to happen that's going to jolt the market. And you have to know, can you handle that? Because if you can't handle it and you get out, by the time you're willing to get back in, the market will have recovered so much that you're never going to, you're just always going to be behind the eight ball. So it's a combination, I guess, of all of those things. 
when you sit down with someone and and really give them what you're talking about there, and oh, by the way, I, I want to compliment you because during this entire interview so far, you've not tried to sell a single thing, and you have just been informational. And I think that when you talk about trust, that's the the part that no matter your age, no matter your business status, people gravitate to those they can trust, and, and you fit that mold. But when you sit down with someone, do you find that they give resistance? Or right now, are people more eager to know what you're talking about? Look, depending how you get to somebody, they have a reasonable amount of openness. But when people have to make decisions, you know, do I want to make a gift? Do I not want to make a gift? Do I want to set up a trust? Do I not want to set up a trust? Who's going to trustee, you know, do I want to buy life insurance? Do I want to buy long-term care? Do I want to buy disability? It's like, you know, again, you just get back into that people need to be pushed a little bit, you know, and that's, that's a very, that's a very fine line between being like, I tell people, my job is to be a professional pain in the neck, you know, because you People will not take action on these things. Most people will not take action on these things alone. They need somebody prodding them to do it. I'm not going to say that's 100%. Of course, there are very there are people that are just, you know, they take care of their stuff. They get, they get crap done. They don't need anybody to kind of, you know, they may need some guidance, but they'll get it done. But most people need somebody to do it. And there's always that fine line of trying to get somebody to take action and, and people saying, it's almost like people thinking like, okay, I know now all the things I should do. I know what I should do with my will. I know what I should do with my trust. I know what I should do with insurance. And it's almost like if I stop right now, there's almost an element in their mind, like they almost feel like they've accomplished what they set out to do, even though they haven't finished, because it's kind of now, it's like they've almost bought in, like, okay, I've accomplished it. No, no, you haven't accomplished it because if you haven't set up the trust and you haven't redone your legal documents and you haven't bought the insurance, you haven't done anything. You're in the same position you were in before. And some people, it's almost like those next steps require decisions and money. I'm either going to have to pay a lawyer to draft documents. I'm going to have to pay somebody to buy insurance. You know, I'm going to have to pay a fee to my accountant to do evaluation. So it's like the money part of it is one of the things that prevents people from going forward because they don't want to spend the money. And some of it is they know they have to make decisions that are emotionally difficult decisions to make. Like, you know, am I going to give the business to all my kids? Am I only going to give the business to my kids in the business? If I give the business to the business to treat my other kids, you know, like the hard emotional decisions. So I just find it's always a struggle, always to move people to take action. That brings us to a good point to uh, take action and uh, two points. One, I watch the clock and uh, uh, to make sure that we keep our segments uh, in a palatable mode and we're getting to that point. Uh, before I, I get your contact information, can you come back for another episode of the Great American Senior Show? Yeah, I'd be happy to do that. So thank you. How may people contact you? We've talked a lot of, uh, of pieces here to how can they contact you to bring all of those pieces together and find if you're the right match for them? What's the best way for people to contact you? Well, thank you, Sam. A couple of things. If they go to stephengoodman.biz, they could download a copy of my book for free. 
on business succession planning. I, I mean, look, it's a good read for anybody, but I would focus it on people who actually have, you know, businesses with partners or key employees or, or family members. Then you could go to my website, which is SHG Planning, which has, I don't know, about 50, 60 articles on a multitude of subjects. So it's S. Goodman at shgplanning.com is my email. My website is SHG Planning and telephone number 516-297-7390. And stephengoodman.biz is where they could download a free copy of my book on business succession planning. From where I'm sitting in sunny Florida, we have some of the the largest enclaves of wealth uh, in the United States, if not uh, throughout some portions of the entire world. So I want to make sure that I share that information. So I'm looking forward to having you come back in the very near future. Thank you, Sam. I appreciate it. And I'm Sam Yates, your gray-haired host, and that's the way the program ends. 